You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. I want to look with us at the gospel passage this morning, Luke chapter 8. I know that many of us come this morning with heavy hearts over recent events that have happened here in Birmingham at St. Stephen's. Our hearts and prayers, as we've already prayed, certainly go out to those families and those who've lost loved ones, those who are also part of that tragic event. We pray for healing today. Our text today speaks of hope and restoration of a man who was so far gone that no one wanted to be near him. And yet Jesus miraculously restores him. I don't want to try to imply something from the text that might not fit our situation. However, I do believe with all my heart that Jesus continues to be in the business of restoration and hope. And so it is with that hope, even in the midst of tragedy, that we look today in Luke chapter 8. The scene that we have in front of us is a man who is demon-possessed by the name of Legion. Now, Jesus, it tells us in the beginning of our passage in verse 26 that they've come across the sea. He and the disciples have come across the Sea of Galilee. And if you were to look back just a little bit, you would kind of see how tumultuous that journey was. They were going across the Sea of Galilee. All was calm. And then mid-sea, it appears that some sort of hurricane-type weather appears. And this is the famous story where Jesus has found a cozy spot in the back of the boat, and he is asleep. And he's taken a nap. Apparently, a really good sleeper, Jesus was. Uh, Maybe that comes with being the all-knowing, all-powerful God, that you know everything's going to be okay, so you can rest easy. But in that moment, the disciples think it's a death moment. Hey, we're about to die here, Jesus, and you're just chilling in the back. Could Could you handle this for us? And he wakes up and he calms the sea. And they make their way across the Sea of Galilee, and we find ourselves today in that story where they come to the, to the shore of the Gerasenes. Have you ever been out on a tumultuous sea, by the way? Uh, you know, it, I, I have a friend in Orlando, Florida. When we lived there, he had a boat. He would go fishing often. And I remember getting a phone call from him on a Friday saying, hey, you want to go fishing tomorrow morning? And I thought, sure, he wouldn't do anything crazy. He wouldn't ask me to go and put my life in danger to go fishing. And he, he says the words, it might be a little rough, so just get ready. And I thought, ah, a little rough's not going to hurt anybody. I get out there, and little did I know, a little rough meant that you might think you're going to lose your life just for fishing's sake. Um, waves of seven to eight feet coming inside the boat. And he's like, keep throwing out the line. We'll catch a fish. And we were all thinking, I just don't want to die. Please let me get home. That was what the disciples felt like as they come to the shore of the garrison. They're exhausted. They're tired. They're worn out. Jesus a, a little more rested as he's rested in the back of the boat. And then they're immediately met as they come off the boat with this man who is demon-possessed. It says his name is Legion. Now, that's likely not his real name. That's what the demons inside of him are saying, indicating that there's more than one of them in, in this man's body. He has been possessed for some time. And the demons, though, what's interesting about the story is the demons know Jesus. And they have an unholy fear of him. They beg for mercy. Of 
course, Jesus has mercy, which is an odd thing to have mercy upon the demons, but it's not so merciful, I don't think, that they say, let us go into the pigs, and so he casts them into the pigs, and then he runs the pigs off the cliff. That's not Jesus being too merciful to demons. But the pig owners then go and tell everyone in the town what has happened. And they come to see Jesus, not the pig owners, but everyone comes to see Jesus and now see Legion, who is demon-free, sitting at Jesus' feet, worshiping him. Now, a couple of things I want to just draw out of the passage today. The demons. Demons today, when we speak of demons today, we, we don't often experience them in the same way the Bible describes them. Although another time in another place, I could tell you stories of some demon possessions that I've come encounter, that I've encountered, and also have some dear friends who've encountered. Whether they are real, they still exist, they still need to be cast out, and that we still fight a battle among, not of flesh and blood, but against the spiritual principalities. However, all the demons that Jesus encounters, all the, Jesus, all the demons that Jesus confronts in Scripture, they seem to have at least three things in common that I want to look at. They cause self-destructive behavior in the victim. Secondly, the victim feels trapped in that condition. They can't get out. And thirdly, they separate the victim from normal living in the family circle. Does it sound familiar at all? Don't many of us suffer from these types of snares and burdens in our own life? Note the similarities between this demon-possessed man and the demons that haunt us today. He was totally cut off from family and society. He didn't live as the people lived. He lived in the tombs, probably in caves where they buried the deceased. He was also driven by the demons into the wild, the Scripture tells us. In other words, he was a living death, separated from normality, separated from living. Furthermore, the demons were harming him. In Mark's version of this story, it says that they bruised, that the man bruised himself with stones. Mark's version also says that no one could restrain him, not even with chains. And then the most sad thing that I think we see of this is that he was so possessed that though the demons recognized Jesus as the son of the most high God, the man could not set himself free. The point of the story, as well as the demon healing stories in the Gospels, is that the power of God can cast out demons, can free us. The 70 that went out in Luke chapter 10, you remember they came back to Jesus and they said, Lord, even in your name, the demons submit to us. But the real crux of our story today, while there's a great healing that takes place and that demons continue to, to plague us even today, but the power of God is just as real today as it was then, it's really about change. It's really about the change that, comes, that, that takes place in the passage. If you get to verse 37, you see, then all of the people asked Jesus to leave. Why would they do such a thing? Why would they experience such a miraculous healing, such a freedom that comes, and then yet say, Jesus, we think you should leave? At first glance, you might think it's because the herdsmen were upset that their pigs had now all died. But that's not the case. It's not just the herdsmen. It's everyone. They're all in the town. 
Quite frankly, I don't think they cared that much about the pigs. The pigs were dirty and unclean in those days. And if you were Jewish, you couldn't even eat the pigs. They weren't any sort of food source of any type. Now me, I love pigs. Bacon, pulled pork all day long. Bring it on. But not these guys. I don't think they were concerned with the pigs. But they find, we find the tension of the text here after the pigs have been cast out into the water. And that tension is, how can the people of this region be more frightened of Jesus than of the demonic? So much so that they would rather have things the way that they are than to see Jesus change things. They would rather have Jesus leave them than to stay. How can people fear the Son of God for doing so good more than they fear Satan and his demonic hosts for doing so much evil? Is there anyone here today that doesn't enjoy change? You don't have to raise your hand. I don't want to embarrass you, but uh, many of us don't like change. We don't like things changing. In fact, we'd probably choose to go out in the middle of 280 on a crowded day and take our chances with oncoming traffic rather than have to change a job, move a house, or maybe even pick a different seat in church. Don't change things. We don't like that, right? I know how, these, I know how folks are that don't like change. I, I live with one. She's not a fan of change. She likes a routine. She likes it the way it is. Why do we have to change it? It's working. Me, I'm like, hey, it's, I'm bored. Let's change things. We've learned how to deal with that, by the way, over time. But I remember like it was yesterday when Allison and I were married here in Birmingham, and we went on our honeymoon, flew into Atlanta from our honeymoon, met our parents to get all of our wedding gifts, and drove to Orlando, Florida, where we started our jobs the next Monday. Talk about some change. Eight to ten hours away from anybody that we knew, any family. We didn't know anything about the area. Change was all over the place. And it was a recipe for a lot of tears. Two, hour, or two weeks into this, I was even thinking, how in the world are we going to do this? There's a lot that's changed here. It's overwhelming. Change is hard. No matter how comfortable or uncomfortable you might be with it, it's difficult. Spiritual change from darkness to light is exciting, but it can also be painful. It requires the Lord to come into the dark places of pain in your life and begin the process of healing. We know ultimately the change is going to be great, but in the process, we don't always feel that way. The difference between legion, these demons, and the populace of the garrisons was not one of kind, but it was one of degree. This is why the Bible does not tell us how this man became demon-possessed. We know that the scripture gives us answers that man is born into sin and hostility and opposition to God and is thus of the same mind towards God as Satan and his host of demons. But then Paul tells us it is by grace, by the grace of God, we're saved not of ourselves so that no one may boast. The psalmist in Psalm 40, he lifts us up out of the pit, out of the miry clay. That's God doing the work. Romans 3 says, no one seeks God and no, not one. Jesus says clearly in the Gospels that you're either with me or you're against me. So the coming of Jesus into this region of the Gerasenes was an occasion for fear, both on the part of the demoniac person and on the part of the people who feared him. 
as the demoniac feared the good which Jesus was about to do. You notice the demons say, don't hurt us. Don't, don't abolish us to the abyss. They knew Jesus had the power. But give us, give us the pigs instead. They feared the good which Jesus was about to do, his deliverance. So the people of that region feared the power of the Lord Jesus to do good in them. Ultimately, the people feared that Jesus' coming meant change. Not only for the demoniac, but for them. A change which they didn't want. They didn't invite. They didn't feel they needed. They wanted things just as they were. And Jesus threatened the status quo. The thought of the kind of changes which Jesus would bring was tormenting to the people of this place. Thus, they wanted Jesus to go because they wanted nothing of the change. They feared that Jesus might change them and that the status quo, the normal life that they had, would not be what they enjoyed. They could deal with the guy who's demon-possessed out in the caves, but don't mess with our lifestyle. I, I think about Dave Ramsey when I think about change. Dave Ramsey says this of when he's talking about uh, the financial things that we put ourselves into and yet we're not willing to get out of. He, decide, he, he uh, assimilates it with a dirty diaper of a child, a baby who does something in their diaper to dirty it up. You can use your imagination there. And yet, they're perfectly content in that dirtiness. And then when you try to change the diaper, what happens? They begin to scream and cry and squirm. This is my mess, and I like my mess. Don't change it. I think that's the people here. Don't change what we know, Jesus. Get out of here, Jesus. Jesus threatens the norms of our society and he calls for a change. His moving in our lives challenges the status quo. The truth of the gospel is that when we experience the healing, the exorcism, the loving power of Jesus, a difference is experienced, both in us and in those around us that give off sometimes an uncomfortable feeling, especially for those who have yet to know Christ. Christ is offering a better way and once you experience it kind of way that you can't unexperience it. That when we have the freedom of God, we can't go back. You mean you're going to love me even when I hurt you? You're going to forgive me when I've done what seems unforgivable? You're going to care about me when we have fundamental differences? How can that be? This leads me to our first question for you to ponder this morning as you go away. What change is Jesus trying to initiate in your life? That instead of a holy fear and trusting him, we have this unholy fear that we'd rather hang on to our sin or our demons than to let Jesus do a miracle. What change is he trying to do in your life that you're hanging on saying, not yet, not yet, Jesus, but really what Jesus is trying to do is give you freedom. Finally, I want to look at the response of this freed man. This legion who's now probably gotten a new name, back to his original name, and we don't know what that is, but we do know that this man has experienced a change, and he's saying, I don't want to leave Jesus. I want to be with him wherever he goes. He's sitting at his feet when the people come out, and then in verse 38, he's ready to get on the boat with him. 
And Jesus' response is this, like it is in so many stories. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return home. Tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away, told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. This man encountered Jesus in a powerful and freeing way. It not only changed his life, but it changed everyone around him. We know that after this encounter with Jesus, he became an ambassador for the kingdom. Let me tell you what Jesus has done in my life. Now, who wouldn't want to listen to this guy? They knew who he was. They know how he changed. And so his story was exciting. You may be sitting there today and saying, I don't have an exciting story like that. I've never been demon-possessed. Nobody's ever healed me from that. What can I offer? We're free. That's what we can offer. Jesus has freed us from our sins. He's freed us and given us a new life. How could he do this to this? How could this man be an ambassador for Jesus having been in bondage for so long? It's because the freedom that comes through Christ changes everything. His freedom in Jesus was contagious. And so secondly, I offer this question for you. Are you living the life of a freed man or woman telling all that Jesus has done for you? And he's, so the first question is, what's the change he's trying to do? The second one is, are you living into the freedom? Are you the freed man that goes back and says, let me tell everybody about him? Or the freed woman that says, let me tell you what Jesus has done in my life? It takes the change that people of that community would not allow in order to experience the freedom that Jesus wants to give us today. Will you let him? Will you let him change us? Will you let him mold us, shape us into his image, into his likeness, putting aside our own sinful nature, putting aside our own desires to say, Jesus, you be free in me. May it be so in our lives. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.